I'm Daniel Giles, and I'm 22 years old. You're listening to The Spoken Project. I'm Sophie Giles, and today it's Daniel's turn to speak. I think at an early age, I was aware that I was different. Often, I would say life behind a glass wall. Probably at around the age of two, I sort of realised that Daniel wasn't um, reaching some of the milestones. Um, and luckily he was diagnosed at about two and a half, which is about as early as it can be diagnosed. I would often have no desire for social contact. I would look at details in everything, including under the bottoms of cars, the um, details of straight lights, and obviously things later, such as Victorian cornices. I would also remember hating different sounds, um, and I think life was a blur back then. Daniel was very different back then to what he is now. He's quite quiet and, and what have you now, but he was just a bundle of energy and never stopped running. And um, he was quite the escape artist. And um, and so therefore we had to really think of his safety in, in the sense of fencing and, and all those sorts of things to contain him, so to speak. Um, but he was very much non-verbal um, and he spent a lot of time just running around and you know, I particularly remember he had one of those little plastic um, ride-on cars, a little red one that he used to spend a lot of time on. He'd ride the same track in the house the whole time with that and wouldn't vary, which you know, now I understand that's pretty typical of someone with autism that they like things the same. Daniel's pretty amazing. I met up with him and his dad, Daryl, for this interview in his one-bedroom flat in Bendigo in country Victoria. And seeing him do his washing up and talk about cooking and cleaning and what it's like living alone, it's actually really hard to believe that for about the first 10 years of his life, Daniel could barely speak or interact with people. And yet, to be honest, Daniel's more capable of living independently than many 22-year-olds I know. Last year, he graduated with honours in graphic design and he's now running his own freelance design business, all from his home office. When I spoke to him for this episode, he started by telling me what it was like growing up with autism. Another dislike I had was for the colour purple, which ironically, I quite like it now as a colour and often use it in my graphic design work. But as a child, if people were wearing purple, I would complain about it. I would also complain, had a hate for the number 50 to 59, or actually 49 to 59, and would basically dread the last 10 minutes of an hour because of those numbers. 
Oh, I would even kick up a fuss at after-school care when a fellow student from school would write the number 59 on the board. Then finally, people used to mock me because I hated pink and purple and they would be singing Pink and purple polka dots, pink and purple polka dots, which I kicked up a fuss about as well. Um, it's it's funny, like, seeing you can smile about this now. Um, but at the time, it, it obviously consumed you. What can Looking back, can you understand wh- why you hated things or was there a pattern to, to your emotions or, and to your perception? I don't know. I think the pink and purple was... Oh, I imagined purple in particular as... Like ants... Um, I could imagine ants crawling around in some purple liquidy thing. Um, what about the numbers? Do you remember why the numbers were so unsettling? Uh, no, to be honest, think it had a relation to the end of something and think it connected to my earlier dislike for the number five when I was a child as well. It sounds like these things were quite frustrating. How did you overcome them? Mm, I think those things gradually wore off. Um, think I real somehow realised how petty the, these dislikes were, to be honest. And I think too, when I think back to the, um, I had an obsession for the olden days, including old architecture, and, um, I figured where pink and purple were used as colours back then, so I think that helped me to overcome it. Dotted around Daniel's flat are pictures, his own designs, as well as others, mostly inspirational words or pictures related to his faith. He goes to a local Catholic church where he helps out a lot. He hasn't always been a Christian, though. He grew up in the church, but there was a big period of doubt which occurred in early high school after his mum died. I started to know about God at the age of faith, despite going to church all the time because before then those aspects were like a blur. Um, My mum died just before I turned nine and I imagined her going to a house in heaven and even drawing a house plan much as my mum drew 
a house plan of the ha- farmhouse she grew up in. Then I, when I was 12 years old, my family told me that Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny were not real. Um, and then I th- um, basically um, also concluded that maybe Jesus walked on earth, but heaven didn't, couldn't logically exist. I remembered in year seven in a religious education class because I went to a Catholic school saying that. Um, however, I did enjoy going to a church because it related to my interest in old olden day culture and I also liked old church architecture. As I grew through time, I think I had a belief in God in the back of my mind, but no real relationship with him. Until I reached year 10, I think I was unsure of myself at the time and um, questioned what my purpose in life was. It was at this point in his life that Daniel started going along to Raymar, a youth ministry program at his school. The program focused on leadership and spiritual development as well as social justice. Daniel says he just felt at home at Raymar. It was largely because I was accepted for who I was. Warts and all, um, despite um, some people's um, perceptions of me um, being unsuccessful or being yeah, people's thinking that I was a lesser pe- person. I felt another thing I related to there, it was people's testimonies of faith and knowing that there was God had a plan for me and that I was his beloved son, really dreamy. Daniel's dad, Daryl, says Raymar was a massive turning point for Daniel. I think Daniel's faith has been a really determining factor in his life. Um, Daniel's grown up as a Catholic, and I'm not Catholic. Um, so, although you know, I probably predominantly have, in more recent years, have been involved with the Catholic community. Um, in secondary school, Daniel joined a Maris group called Raymar, and that was really a catalyst to, to kick off his faith um, in a very strong way. And um, I think the ethos of, of Raymar, and there's not a lot of kids that do it, and they had to make a strong commitment to it, but 
you know, it taught him leadership skills. Um, it taught him more about his faith and taught him about, um, um, you know, the marginalised and looking out for other people and, and what have you on a, on a higher level. Um, so I think that's really been one of the things that's really made Daniel what he is today um, and has really led um, to, to really his strong connection with his faith and and uh, you know, looking out for marginalised people. After joining Raymar, Daniel took on a more active role at his school, joined a church and was confirmed. And since then, he's begun to really live out his faith. I felt on fire for God and I felt compelled to dedicate every moment to him, which my faith um, has grown stronger since. It's had its ups and downs, and I have had my false distortions of my relationship with God, like, whenever I sinned, I would think, gee, you've done your dash today, Daniel, but then I felt God telling me, I love you anyway, and... I'm calling you back. I often write letters to God asking for his help or I'll even pray for people like my family, my friends, even those who bully me. I believe personally that um, these bullies are hurt inside and that and that um they need God's help um as well. How has your faith helped you uh I guess understand and overcome some of the difficulties of of being autistic? Um well God uses my weakness to bless others and I think Particularly, God's helped me to see that I have a purpose in life. Particularly to serve others in the most practical way I can, even in the little things. Um, but I notice in the church and not amongst all fellow Catholics, but some fellow Catholics. The focus seems to be on doing everything perfectly in church services. Or it's like they think if you fail to say this prayer or that prayer, um, you're not a proper Christian. Um, and I think God's using me to basically simply by my actions try to be bring a human element to the faith by, by demonstrating that my faith lived in my 
a practical way encourage people to focus in a nutshell on a relationship with God rather than just following the motions and to see God as a heavenly dad. <laughs> I think that at times I've got to strip away the <laughs> um, exterior that I looked like the most prayerful person on earth <laughs> and show people <laughs> the wounds and <laughs> um, the fact that I need to depend on it, on my heavenly dad, <laughs> as good as my earthly dad is. I think just I feel very proud at the way he's been determined and worked really hard at everything he's done to achieve what he's achieved and um, you know the list of things that Daniel has achieved at such a young age is just enormous and and whilst there's been so many people that have helped along the way um, Daniel's been really determined himself and that's what's helped that input of so many people um, really gain the maximum benefit so I think I, you know, I just take my hat off to him for, for having that attitude towards bettering himself and, and working really hard and you know, gets knocked down and stands back up again and goes again at it so yeah that's that probably sums Daniel up really. You've been listening to The Spoken Project on today's project Daniel Giles and his father Daryl. I'm Sophie Giles although we're not related actually different spelling. Anyway, catch you next time.